Hi guys and welcome to the show. If you hate managing Windows updates as much as I do, you're going to want to watch this episode. Hey guys and welcome to the show. It's uh, almost Christmas here, although by the time you get to watch this, I'm sure it'll be just after New Year's. And uh, I'm outside in a t-shirt. <laughs> and uh, I have with me Matt, uh, Matt Camusi, um, and Matt uh, and I met at JPL, and uh, he taught a Windows 10 workshop and did a great job. And one of the things that he really went into depth uh, about during the workshop was uh, the new uh, Windows update model. And so uh, immediately I asked him if he'd want to be a guest on the show and talk to you guys about it. So without further ado, let me introduce Matt. Hello. Alex. <laughs> hey, man. And I understand you have your own podcast, right? I do. Although, whether or not I want to professionally mention it, probably safer that I don't. Just know that oh. it's out there somewhere <laughs> in the darkest reaches of the web. Woohoo! Well, I just <laughs> noticed you were prepared with your own custom mic and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, windshield. Yep. Yes. I, I exhale heavily whenever I talk. So just... Uh, if this falls over, you'll know why. Yeah. Like All right. Sale. So that's awesome, man. So, hey, listen, let's talk a little bit. Let's start out by talking uh, a little bit about why Microsoft decided, you know, to, to change the, the update model. Sure. Yeah. Um, this is uh, definitely uh, something worth talking about to, to more fully understand why we're, we're changing it. Kind of have to know a little bit more about what the landscape was in terms of servicing uh, Windows prior to kind of like Windows 10 in October timeframe. And the big thing is, is that, and, and you, you, you have tons of experience within Microsoft, so you could probably relate, but how would you say, like, of all the customers that you have, how many of them or how often would you see a customer that has installed, like, every service patch that we've published, like, like security and or even just quality? Would you say that you have many customers that do that? No, not at all. They like to build their own uh, custom Windows builds. Right, exactly. And that's the big thing, right? So so because so many different customers might have, and, and this is, you know, like, uh, this is definitely warranted in certain cases where, you know, customers will have certain, they'll, they'll download or have like certain patches installed in the environment for different machines. And then maybe they see that this conflicts with a piece of software that they have or or introduces some 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 sort of, you know, issue um, that they'll like roll it back or withdraw it or withhold it or something like that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll see that those customers don't exactly go ahead and try to reinstall it uh, in the future after resolving the issue with maybe whatever application that that you know rubbed it the wrong way, etc. Uh, there are some customers, many customers, that plain old don't install like uh, like stability updates at all. It's all security patches or nothing, right? And so what ends up happening here is that we have this highly fragmented landscape of all of these, not just customers, but even within those customers' environments. Individual machines might have this patch, not have that patch. Might have this patch installed, maybe not that patch installed. And um, ultimately, this kind of leads to problems down the line, because back in Microsoft where we're writing this code, when we develop new patches, we're not doing it on the infinite spectrum of different combinations of patches like our customers might have. We're doing it on essentially fully patched systems. We're doing, we're designing these new, uh, these new, you know, 
security and quality updates based on the assumption or based on a test environment that is basically has no gaps in, in, in their patching schemes, right? They're fully patched. And so now what happens is that we might introduce new security patches or something under that same assumption. Um, and it ends up possibly causing issues with customers. And, uh, and that could be part of the reason why. And many other times we might even have, um, I, I think that like, I think that, uh, from a recent uh, like statistic or something like that, like so, like an estimated 25% of, of certain calls related to like bugs or something like that have already been fixed by a patch that a customer just simply did not install. So right. so so they could have saved themselves a lot of time and money just by trying to keep up with that patching model. So this is the landscape that we're in, and it's obviously a very costly landscape. And although customers feel a little bit more comfortable with having the choice of like granular uh, uh, granularity within which patches they get to choose to install and which ones they don't install. Uh, ultimately, it can be just so uh, difficult on both our behalves to try and accommodate that infinite spectrum of unique snowflake configurations out there um, when trying to you know, stabilize uh, the operating system. So that's kind of where we're coming from with this model. Yeah. So I think uh, I think what people really need to realize here is that this is in the long run going to be better for them, right? It's going to save them a lot of money. It's better for our vendors because our vendors don't, you know, they have the same problem we do. They they write drivers and software for essentially fully patched, ready to go systems. And uh, so you know, let's say you install you know some third party product and it breaks. Well, now you've got to call that vendor. And that vendor just assumes you're running the latest and greatest version of window and Windows and has to, you know, fight through figuring out what's wrong. Um, and so I like the idea. I know that some of our customers are a little concerned because they like to test our patches in their environments, you know, before they roll them out. And this kind of, you know, this kind of all or, or you know, everything in one update uh, model kind of, kind of, add some complexities to that for them um, moving forward. But in the long run, it's a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And we uh, even even still, you know, you know, with within, you know, Microsoft, what we we do like to do is we uh, while we are trying to make it better for everybody, um, uh, we also do still try to provide at least a little bit of flexibility or a little bit of control or at least um, a decent enough like sort of like heads up in some form or another. And that's represented in the way that we've changed the servicing models for even just like, you know, Windows 7 and, and the server side of that, as well as with the whole Windows as a service model for Windows 10. So yeah, we tried to put a, a, at least a little bit more control than just saying, do this, and then that's it. You have no other choices, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what the different service models are. Sure, sure. Um, so what we can do is start talking about um, probably one of the more immediate effects for a lot of customers because a lot of customers are still using like Windows 7, for example. Um, the service model for the for for that has changed since October of this year, 2016, and that one, you know, that was like kind of like a, 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 unfortunately a bit of a surprise to some customers. They noticed that it changed, but they they're not really completely comfortable or not completely aware of how how this has uh, changed for them. And the way that it kind of works is as of October, you, you would notice um, that there's going to be mainly for the operating system sort of like two 
major uh, updates. Um, there's going to be a security-only update that happens once a month, and then there's going to be a cumulative update that also gets released once a month. And the idea here is that we're kind of trying to bring Windows 7 servicing closer to in line with like Windows 8 and Windows 10. Um, so before, of course, we had, you know, on Patch Tuesday, you had like anywhere between like five to like 25 different <laughs> potential uh, patches that you could download. But now that we've narrowed it down to two, of which you might only need to install one. Once again, this is just for the operating system. The main difference is that with the security update, um, that is a sort of like monthly security update that has a bunch of different security patches rolled up into one for just that month. So you might see like an October security update, November security update, December security update. And these aren't cumulative, meaning that if you install December's security update, it does not include the ones for like November and October, right? So for that, you know, it's a little bit more granular because let's say that this security update, um, the specific one has, you know, causes an issue or something like that, you would withdraw or further test or patch or whatever uh, your application or upgrade your applications, et cetera. Um, and then you can go forward and install that security update for that month. Um, in which case, that's where we like kind of like introduce a little bit of friction with customers who like to be able to uninstall just like that KB that, that caused the conflict. Now, instead, we're saying, well, you might have to withdraw the December one entirely until you uh, until it's determined like what the cause of the issue might be. And um, to try and prevent that from being just sort of like a surprise on Patch Tuesday, we actually start releasing next month's proposed security updates ahead of time. We call them preview. And so you could see those show up in like WSUS or, or uh, Microsoft Update Catalog, et cetera. The other one is much more cumulative. And this one's like uh, the big show here because with Windows 7, um, every month there's going to be a sort of like cumulative roll-up of all these updates. That includes not just all of the security updates released since like October, but also quality updates as well, right? So if you skip October and November's cumulative update, if you install December's, it contains everything from those past three months. So, and that one, that one is a lot more in line with kind of like what we're trying to do as our service, because that, that is more fully patched and that brings you more, uh, that increases your chances of, um, proactively resolving any issues before you have to call, in, call them in, right? Turns out, you know, we've included that quality update that you would have uh, called in a bug about. So, uh, so that's the main difference with the way, the way that like Windows 7 and, and Server 2008 or 2 are uh, going to be handled. So Yeah, that's awesome. And the funny part about that is that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll have customers say, well, you know, I like the old way. Oh, well, you've got Macs in your environment, right? How, do, how does <laughs> Apple do it? Oh, well, Apple just pushes out a, a cumulative update every so often. Mm -hmm. How do you like that? Oh, I love it because I don't have to do anything. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, huh. Think about what you just said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even, then, even so, like, we still, like, have a little bit of control where you can still, like, test it out ahead of time and temporarily withdraw those security updates. Now, as far as, like, any critical ones that happen out of band, we'll release those out of band, right? We'll release those whenever they're, they're necessary. But going forward, we'll, we'll roll these updates into each other. And with the cumulative ones for Windows 7, um, we're, we're eventually going to start, like, rolling in uh, earlier patches as well. So, um, so ones previous to this new servicing model. So in the end, you might install, like, one OS cumulative update that installs, like, the majority of the, the, the patches that were released since SP1's 
introduction into the you know general availability realm. So, um, so that is a pretty interesting uh, perspective on that too. Awesome. Do you have a slide deck or anything for us? Actually, I'm a I'm a big whiteboard fan. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna see if I can do that. Got a little Surface Pen ready for us. Oh, uh, woo! <laughs> Technology. So what I'd like to explain a little bit about is the whole Windows as a service aspect of Windows 10, because this is basically the brave new world that we're heading into as an enterprise when we're adopting Windows 10 and considering Windows 7 is going to be going away in uh, 2020, I think January 14th, this might be something to consider sooner than later, I would think. Um, But uh, the way that it works is that this whole Windows as a service thing for like consumers, a lot of people are under the impression that this means sort of like Windows as a subscription, which isn't quite the way that it happens. But Windows as a service means is that rather than having like this monolithic model of basically like creating a new operating system every like three to five years and surprising you with new features and whole new API sets and new security mechanisms and et cetera, what we're going to be doing is going to be sort of continuously providing these new operating systems, uh, new versions, new builds of, of, of Windows 10. Um, and we do this for multiple reasons. But first, I kind of want to talk about these things called uh, branches. All right, so I apologize for my handwriting on this, but uh, there are three main branches for Windows 10. So when you're digging up documentation, you're going to see this thing all over the place as far as this branch, that branch. And what I kind of want to do is explain the difference between um, all of these different branches um, and you know what's offered in each and what support means for each and how long are they going to be around, etc. And there's three main branches. And uh, let's see if I'm going to get colorful with this thing. There is uh, something known as current branch, also known as CB. There's something known as current branch for business, also known as CBB. And there's something known as long-term servicing branch, or LTSB. And between current branch and current branch for business, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat this later, but keep this in mind. There's barely any difference between current branch and current branch for business, right? And basically, the only difference between the two, or the main difference between the two, is deferral. How long do you want to defer getting a certain build of Windows 10? And then a second slight difference is uh, support lifetimes. But let's dive into this a little bit more, right? So over time, right? Here, we're going to bring in a little graph here. Okay, so here's time as it progresses. Over time, we're going to release new versions of Windows 10. And if you have Windows 10 at home, there's a very good chance that it is set to be on current branch. Current branch is basically just um, uh, one, uh, like when we release Windows 10 to the general public. So, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, that goes into a build uh, before this, but, uh, to summarize, right, we build, we are continuously churning out new builds of Windows 10 uh, back in Microsoft, and then over time, we'll sort of like release uh, certain uh, snapshots of this build out to like within Microsoft for further testing. Then we'll patch, 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 and then we'll, uh, you know, uh, and you know what? I'll even draw it right here, right? So we release, we build constantly uh, new versions of Windows 10 in uh, Microsoft over here with internally. Then we sort of dog food it, which is to say that we allow Microsoft people to test it out, right? Um, then we push it out to say uh, 
Windows Insider Preview, uh, in which case, you know, we have two different rings for it. This is something that anybody can sign up for. It's kind of like, although it's a lot more stable, you can kind of think of it as like alpha and beta builds, um, but it's a lot more stable than that. Uh, you can be on the fast ring, which is less stable, but you get more releases, and you can be on the slow ring, which is more stable, um, et cetera, so, right? So, so kind of like release candidates? Kind of, sort of, yeah. So, so um, slow ring for Windows Insider Preview is more akin to a release candidate, in my opinion. Um, uh, and uh, fast ring is, yeah, a little bit more frequent than that. So uh, after this point, we are still, like, testing, testing, we're receiving feedback from the community, and there's, you know, thousands of people signed up for Win Windows Insider Preview, right? Um, I know that I have it on my home computer myself, and it, I'm on the uh, slow release uh, platform, the, the release candidate kind of uh, version. Um, and so far, it's been a wonderful experience. I'm starting to see, like, some pretty cool features that are not going to be introduced to the general public just yet. Uh, but eventually, once, you know, we, we fix a lot of bugs, make it more stable and you know, we we're, we keep reading feedback and we decide, okay, I think this is ready. Um, then it gets released out to uh, current branch, right? And this is the general public here. So millions and millions of people around the world who are using Windows 10, who have Windows 10 on their computers, and in some enterprises, they might there they might a portion of your enterprise machines might be on current branch. You receive this either via Windows Update or otherwise, and. Uh, it doesn't stop there, right? And so we continuously patch and patch and patch, and then a period of time afterwards, we then release it to uh, current branch for business. So to put this in a little bit more concrete terms, um, think about that Windows 10 build that came out in November, the November update of build 1511, which, by the way, it took me way too long to realize that this whole build number scheme, like 1511, 1607, um, it took me way too long to realize that that meant year and month of the release. Dude, I, thought dude, it was just I like am a laughing remember. right now because I am on the same, I'm, right? I'm in the same boat. It, it didn't <laughs> it dawn like, on me. And you know, the deal is, is that we deal with build numbers all the time. So, right? yeah, you know, it was just another build number to me. Yep, exactly. So, you know, so it, I was like, uh, I, I, I think like it, it came to me like in an embarrassing moment. Like I might've been in the middle of teaching class, right? Good thing. I, I knew all about this and, in the middle of teaching class, right? But I was just like, oh, man, but when did 1511 come out? I think it was like the 11th month of 24. Oh, I got it. I figured it out. I'm dumb. But, yeah, that's that's so when in doubt, just remember that that is what that whole number means. But speaking of 1511, right? So we started off in Microsoft, right? And we decided, you know what? This looks like it's ready to ship and start being tested. And this might be our next big build of Windows 10. So we designed 1511 back in, in Microsoft here. And then we just patched it, fixed it, patched it, stabilized it, et cetera, pushed out more in, like internally within Microsoft, dog booted it. You know, we're not exactly a small company. So we have a large number of people testing this out and providing feedback and um, using telemetry and so on to, to figure out like what things are working, what things are not. And then we continue, 15.11 then gets pushed out to our Windows Insider Preview, right? But along the way, it gets stabilized, stabilized, patch, patch. We listen to feedback like crazy uh, for a lot of this stuff. Um, and then this just keeps on trucking along over and over, right? Until eventually it hits current branch for business, to which, by that time, you can bet we're already building the next version of Windows and that gets pushed along, right? So that's kind of like the stream of how builds work with Windows 10. 
Um, now, the one question that we get a lot um, when we talk about this is support and servicing and stuff like that. Um, basically, a question is, okay, well, if I decide to go with one version of Windows 10, how long can I stay on it? Can I stay on it forever, right? Um, to which, uh, the answer is not quite. Um, because we're, this is like a whole new uh, way of delivering Windows, we're going to be pushing these new builds of Windows out uh, maybe like anywhere between one and three times per year, right? More closely or to like a the twice per year kind of thing. Um, but to visualize how long you have uh, on, a, on a build of Windows 10 before you have to upgrade, um, let's take a look at uh, this, this graph that I had drawn previously over here. Let me clean things up a little bit so that it's easier to see, right? So let's start off with talking about current branch, right? So current branch gets released out to the world, right? Yeah. And at this point, let's say that this is build, uh, let's say 15.11. So CB 15.11, right? Got released in November and we pushed it out. Eventually, we released the next build of current branch, which is uh, popularized as the anniversary update, or 16.07, came out around July of 2016 for current branch. Okay, so... This new build of current branch, which went out to the general public, now what this means is that our our stated support is that we for current branch, you need to be on the for to be supported, you need to be on the latest build of current branch, which means that with uh, excluding a little grace period of around sixty days, which I'll talk about in just a bit. By the time generally that sixteen oh seven comes out, fifteen eleven is basically out of support. <clears throat> which means that it doesn't get patches and such. Right. So if you call uh, into support and 1607 is out and you're on 1511, I guess I guess we'll just ask you to upgrade to 1607? Generally, yeah. Um, and once again, this is the bill that's going out to the general public. Now, a lot of people, I'm sure, in their enterprises are kind of freaking out, thinking, oh, my God, you know, this is... This is insane that we have to constantly be doing this. And I'll get to what, what, uh, what your scenarios will be in just a bit when we talk about current branch for business. But generally, this is the way that it's going to be. And there is a little bit of a grace period, as mentioned, of about you know, 60 days um, to help you go from one build to the next, in which case for about two months after we declare that previous build as uh, reaching end of support, for example, 1511 in this case, then you know, we'll, it'll still receive the security updates but eventually, you know, you're going to want to upgrade to 1607. Yeah. Um, and so the same cycle uh, basically happens with, you know, whatever's going to come next. The creator's update as of, uh, you know, this time, uh, you know, this is right now I'm speaking from December uh, 2017. But we announced that creator's update is going to be released sometime, I think, generally in the spring of next year. So um, current branch 170, I'm sure a lot of People want me to write a specific number in here, but I'm just going to say X. Uh, uh, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so eventually 170X or the creator's update is going to come out and we're going to expect people to move to that uh, build. And for a lot of consumers out there, um, the most of what they're going to encounter is if they live, leave their machines on overnight, they're going to come back to their machine and they're going to notice that Windows 10 has upgraded to the newest version, right? Yeah. So, and we, we should mention that this isn't just 
patches and and updates. Uh, the the jump from 1511 to 1607 was actually pretty awesome. There are some new features. It's it's got new functionality. It it's it's a pretty cool build, and I expect that to move to go along. You know, as with with newer updates as they come out. Yeah, that's an excellent point to bring up. Um, so something that I want to mention is, yeah, I keep mentioning these new builds, new builds, new builds. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is that these are legitimately new versions of Windows 10. So when you upgrade, it's not like you're installing a couple of really big patches. It's not like a service pack or anything like that. Because service packs are kind of like not around anymore for operating systems. What you're doing when you do an upgrade um, is that you're basically you're, you're keeping your, your settings and your data and your programs and uh, the majority of your drivers, right? but you're basically swapping out the operating system underneath and replacing it with an all new version of the operating system with new features and such. Um, so I'm glad that you brought up uh, that, uh, that topic because we have a very clear distinction between what we call like regular, like, uh, like, like regular quality updates and what we call sort of like feature updates. So feature updates are new builds of Windows 10 that we push out that include altogether new features right? Whether it's consumer features or enterprise features, right? Um, but quality updates or basically your regular patches are going to continuously occur on your patch Tuesdays for all supported builds of Windows 10 at any given time, right? So basically during, during this time, security updates are going to come out on patch Tuesdays for any builds of Windows 10 that are in support, right? But you bring up a very good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, the reason I bring it up is because I'll launch the Movies app and it's been updated. Or I'll launch, you know, the, the Groove Media app and it's been updated. Yeah, um, or Edge, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, so now, of course, enterprise uh, IT administration so are, 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 are trying to think probably around this time. Like, okay, so now what does this mean for me? Because... You know, I'm trying. I'm thinking back to the the days of going from like XP to Vista, or XP to Seven, or or so on. It takes months and months of planning and uh, testing and compatibility fixing and stuff like that to move from one operating system to another. And that was just happening every one, like once every like, you know, three to five years, right? So now you're telling me that we're going to be doing this like every like like maybe like twice a year. That's pretty crazy. So let me let me lessen the impact of this a little bit. Because I mentioned so far about the support cycle for current branch, let's talk about current branch for business. Now, as I mentioned before, there's very little difference between current branch and current branch for business. Uh, for the same build of Windows 10, current branch and current branch for business have the same general features, right? So the features that are in 1511 also exist in, 15, in in current branch, also exist for current branch for business, right? But the big thing is, is a delay. Because, so, like, in the customers that you've worked with, Alex, right, how often is it that, like, a new, like, security patch comes down and your customer immediately deploys it? Uh, like, let's say it's, like, a non-critical, right, or, like, a quality update. How often is it that they immediately push it to every device in the environment? Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. You, I mean, it will eventually <laughs> get pushed. Right. But it's not going to be an immediate push. Exactly, right? There's a, there's a period of time in which case obviously we want to test this thing to see how it interacts with our critical applications um, and how it behaves generally in our environment. And that is basically what current branch for business is. That's all that it is. So what it means is that let's say over here we got current branch 1511 being released, right? 
four months after it gets released for cur current branch, um, we release it again, but for current branch for business. We announce that it is now available for current branch for business. So here is where it gets pushed, right? So CBB of 1511, okay? So it always has to be a minimum of four months. According to our current uh, you know, public statements, we're not going to release a current branch for business version of that operating system, of that build of Windows 10, earlier than four months, right? So all we're doing here is so, we're deferring. So hold on. Are you saying four months after the current branch? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's say 15.11 got released. Then a minimum of four months after 15.11 got released back in November, we released it. Uh, yeah. for current branch for business. Yeah, no, I get it. I just wanted to make sure that everybody else was clear on it. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Because, um, yeah, that terminology gets a little confusing. But basically, it's all we're doing is we're putting in a delay, a deferral. Because during this time, right, in this, at this minimum four-month delay, um, we're going to continue getting feedback, right? So remember that whole cycle that I was showing you before about like how we push a build from inside of Microsoft all the way to the general public and so on. Every single step of the way, we're getting feedback in locations that like that provide telemetry. We get that telemetry um, in, uh, in we basically push out these stability fixes, security fixes, and we roll them all up and then we put them into current branch for business when Microsoft and perhaps when we concur with some of our key vendors and partners and stuff like that, we give that, that build the seal of approval and we say, you know what, this is good. This is good for enterprises now. So let's now say that this is current branch for business eligible. And that gets pushed out. And a little difference between support uh, longevity between current branch and current branch for business is, so going back to this, right? So let's say 1607 got released, right? Four months after that, we then release it. We then announce it uh, to be current branch for business available, right? Um, and then eventually uh, over here, this uh, 17.0x gets pushed out to current branch for business, right? So as opposed to current branch, where really only the most recent build of Windows 10 is in support, plus a 60-day grace period. In current branch for business, the most recent two builds are in support. All right? So that gives you a little bit more time, plus, you know, the grace period, although you don't, you know, the, you don't want to have to wait until the grace period to do this kind of stuff, but you have a lot more time with current branch for business in your environment than, um, than you would for regular current branch. So do customers still have the option to push these out, the CBB builds uh, via WSUS? So in other words, are we saying that 1511 shows up in WSUS four months after the current branch 1511 shows up? There's tons of ways to control this. And that's like one of the biggest appeals of this. So depending on the size of your environment, um, you, we provide a whole bunch of different options. So WSUS is absolutely one of them. And you can control not just when... Uh, when to push this out for any machines that are are on current branch for business, um, but you can also even put additional delays in that, right? So instead of saying like, okay, current branch for business is released, um, I'm going to push it out via say WSUS. 
Um, maybe I don't want everybody to be right on this current branch for business release all at once. I can even stagger it a little bit so that this build of, say, 1607 current branch for business, which as of right now, it was pretty recently announced um, uh, to be uh, eligible for CBB. Um, maybe I just want to come up with these custom, as we call them, rings, um, so that maybe my pilot groups will get will be like ring zero and get 1607 first. And then maybe I set up another ring, um, in which case another larger department will get it like two weeks after that. And then another department will get that good at two weeks after them. So you can have a lot of control using like WSUS, um, SECM, uh, et cetera, to be able to stagger the way that these builds get rolled out. And to make it even simpler, um, what you're doing when you control uh, 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 whether or not a machine is on current branch or current branch for business is once again, you're just specifying how often to defer these feature updates. Um, and then uh, one last thing that you can do, like if you want to manually say, put your machine on current branch for business, all you're really doing, let me see if I do this through, the, uh, through my own settings app here. All you're really doing when you go into settings is you're going into your update security and in Windows Update, there are some advanced options. And there's this little checkbox over here that says Defer Feature Updates. That Defer Feature Updates checkbox switches you to current branch for business. Ah. So if you want to do it manually, that's the easiest way to do it. So even home users can switch to deferred feature updates. That is correct, yeah. Wow. Um, so... So, I mean, depending on the skew of, of, of Windows 10, yeah, but, but basically that is, that is it. So, and then uh, there's this concept that we introduced with 15.11 called current, uh, Windows Update for Business, which is, allows you to basically control this kind of stuff through group policy. And increasingly, through new versions of Windows 10, um, we allow you to uh, get more and more control over what, uh, how like, Windows Update for Business works. So you can do stuff like not only move large groups of, of machines over into current branch for business, but you can even like select like what gets pushed through Windows updates stuff like um, uh, like drivers, specific drivers and stuff like that. That we introduced in anniversary updates. So there's a lot to it. Um, there's, a, you know, as mentioned, like we wanted to be able to find a way to be able to keep up with the flexibility of pushing out new versions of Windows 10 um, and, uh, and, and so on. With, but still provide a little bit of flexibility for IT administrators so that they can have a little bit more control over, you know, what gets pushed when. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're trying not to, to make it so absolute like that. One more question that I have for you. Um, sure. So when we release a current branch for business, so we'll use 1511 as an example here. Sure. <clears throat> the CBB build for 1511 is going to include all of the updates that we've already learned about and applied to CB1511, correct? That is right. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, because that, that is part of the reason why we have effectively decide that uh, CBB1511 uh, is eligible for CBB, is that it has enough, it has like enough patches and, and security patches and stuff like that to, to uh, be deemed as stable for the environment. And it's been out in the wild and it's stable and yeah yeah, yeah. 
Uh, a more, I guess, cynical way of looking at it is that we're using the world as a guinea pig for your enterprise. <laughs> right? I mean, that's basically well, I mean, it. it. It's cynical, but true. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so instead of having that one pilot group or that one testing lab environment in your enterprise to test that one patch in, you, now you have millions and millions of users. <laughs> okay. So what about LTSB? Ah, good question. LTSB is a different beast altogether. Long-term servicing branch operates on a very similar model to our old monolithic release and operating system every three to five years kind of model. LTSB is long-term servicing branch, and it basically has the support model of five years mainstream support, five years extended support, that traditional way, like the traditional way that we handle with operating system servicing. Um, but here's the catch. LTSB is the version, it's a different skew of Windows. So if you have Enterprise, um, if you download, you'll, you'll you go to your licensing server or whatever, you'll see that LTSB is a different build of Windows 10. And, uh, or a different, uh, like, skew of Windows 10, basically. Um, in that it effectively is the operating system version that we intend for like ATMs, hospital equipment, air traffic control. It is an extremely watered down, you know, feature removed version of the operating system. Um, a lot of built in apps, you know, stuff like Cortana and so on are all uh, missing. Uh, Edge is not there. Um, and, and it is, as it sounds, very watered down. Um, now, in case you or your enterprise are considering using LTSB as your main thing because the whole idea of not having to upgrade uh, twice a year or so on um, is unappealing to you, um, I offer a very strong word of uh, caution. Um, this is something that Microsoft does not recommend for like the majority of your environment um, because there's a couple of things that you have to consider. One is you'll probably end up getting feature envy, right? We're not releasing long-term servicing branch as frequently as we are releasing it for other builds, uh, for uh, other branches, right? So uh, that means that, let's say you have the 2015 version of Windows 10 LTSB. It's stuck with the features that it has until another LTSB comes out in the future that might have the features that you want. So yeah. uh, so that's that's huge. That's a huge, huge thing. And... Um, so that 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 feature envy, although it sounds silly, um, is very real because in enterprise environments, if there's something that comes out for uh, 1511, 1607, oh, you know, anniversary update came out with the ability to have the UEV agent baked in. So now that's a whole software deployment step that I, I, I get to skip. Right. Um, well, you know, you might not have that in LTSB um, or, or some equivalent going down the line. Who knows what's going to show up in creativity update that you uh, won't get for five years because you decided to stick with LTSB. So um, additionally, a lot of those like those like modern apps that are built into Windows 10 that you could, that your users could use for productivity reasons are stripped out. So there's a lot of arguing against using LTSB. So Microsoft's official stance is try to avoid using LTSB um, for you know your normal uh, user scenarios and try to restrict it more for certain things like as mentioned like mission critical machines that you don't care about you know having specific features on that just need to have an OS that does one simple thing to be a, like a platform for a critical application to work etc um, but 
in general, like that the is on the International Space Station. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I can't wait to teach a workshop up there. I'm sure they'll invite me. <laughs> hey, if you go, I go. All right. That's a, it's a deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, man, this has been awesome. And again, very informative. So I certainly appreciate you being on the show and I'd love to have you back. Oh, yeah, it would, it would be a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, guys, that's it for this week's show. Um, you know, hopefully you learned as much as I did. This was really interesting, and uh, uh, I certainly enjoyed it. So, Matt, thanks again. And uh, without further ado, this is your Taste of Premiere. <laughs>